she said, I love you. And I, being foolish and dumb and completely caught off guard, I just said it back. I was like, uh, I love you too. Yeah, great. And it, like, no, I didn't say it like that, obviously. <laughs> I, like, tried to sound genuine. I was like, sure, maybe I do. I don't know. And I said it, and I immediately, like, felt in my heart, I was like, I don't. Welcome to the University Catholic. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Nacho. I'm Thomas. I'm Kylie. I'm Monse. And we are talking about emotional chastity. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a kind of buzzword that's been coming around over the last kind of, I would say, like, what, decade around there? Like, I'd say from, like, 2011 and on, that's normally where you'd start hearing a lot of talks about emotional chastity, emotional virtue, otherwise known as, which, what was the other one that you said? I like to call it emotional prudence. Emotional prudence. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> all the same thing, all just different variations of what it is. But before we jump into that... The question is, for all of us, what is the most important thing you learned this week? While we marinate on that, do we want to hear Kylie's joke first before we get into, like, kind of deep stuff that we might be talking about? Uh, yeah, let's do uh, that. Uh, let's uh, hear it, uh, Kylie. I'm ready. Really? Okay. I'm so ready to get this joke right. Okay, fine. You're not going to. Okay. Well. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? A Roman Catholic. No! I've heard that one before. I thought you said this last week. No, I said uh, sp- the spiritual director one. I've oh, heard right. that one yeah. before. Uh, Sorry. Then you have to opt out, yeah, Thomas. Catholic that roams around. She's a Roman Catholic. Okay, well, <laughs> sorry for that loud cackle if you're yeah, listening I with headphones. I, <laughs> I was. I. I do get very. Uh, man, I will one day stump you, Thomas. Maybe. Maybe not. I will. I go on all the websites of her jokes before she does. <laughs> How dare you? Okay. Let's get in with it. <laughs> All right, then go ahead, Kylie. You can start us off. What is the most important thing you learned this week? It can be either spiritual, um, school-wise, like a scholastic, or just even just normal, um, everyday kind of things that you learn. Yeah, I learned. Um, well, I learned that this week I've been much more. Uh, time management is more important to me than I realized. Um, and <clears throat> with school getting a lot busier, th- yeah, this is a, this one has to do with school. School is getting very busy, and I'm learning that time management is going to be my best friend. And I'm learning, and I can't do it very well yet, but I'm getting there. And yeah, so I have like lists now that I need to do, and God is like, you can do this, Kylie. And luckily, everything just gets done, you know. But how well it gets done, that is that is the question. So would you say what you learned is just time management is going to be crucial for you? Yes, okay. exactly. Gotcha. What about you, Thomas? Um, I am continuing to learn how to be humble. First of all, I make this joke all the time with my friends, and I think it's a very funny and well-delivered joke that I always do. So whenever I find myself like, you know... Sometimes I'll make a joke and then I'll be like, man, I'm hilarious. <laughs> and then, like, and that's, like, obviously not, I'm, like, I'm not super funny all the time. Yeah. But every once in a while I have a good joke and I'm like, man, I'm hilarious. And handsome and, and muscular and so humble. I'm the most humble person I've ever met. And that's funny because I'm complimenting myself and then calling myself humble. Yeah. Um, but 
I really do uh, struggle with pride sometimes, so I'm still learning to be more humble and, you know, kind of like giving glory to God. Um, so, uh, you know, I talked with Father Jason about it a little bit, and he was just like, yeah, just remember to not compare yourself to others. Because, like, sometimes people struggle with comparing themselves to others, being like, oh, woe is me, look at how bad I am. And, you know, like, other people can struggle with comparing yourself to others and being like, ha I'm so cool. Look at that. I'm so much better at you than music, at music theory, you know, whatever. Um, so, like, for me, it, a lot of times it's like, like, wow, I don't understand how people don't get this. I get this so easily. Um, and, you know, I just got to make sure I'm not in a prideful mindset with that. There's a lot of weird noises going on right now. Um, okay. Kylie's gonna figure that out. Well, oh, it's oh, fixed. We did it. Fun. All right, we're gonna gonna move on to Moonsay, I guess. Okay. Thomas is gonna learn how to be humble. Kylie's gonna uh-huh. learn how to make her apartment quieter. And Moonsay's gonna tell us how <laughs> she learned. Um. Okay. So scholastic wise, I learned how to do chair flips. So for those that are in Ochem. Oh. Um, yeah, not like real nice. chair flips. I was very confused at first, but you know, when something clicks, it's such a nice feeling, and that's been happening a lot lately with organic chemistry, which is really nice. Um, and I know it's all because like God's like, you're gonna spend hours studying this, so I might as well like get you to understand it now, so you can like do what I want you to do later on in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of another thing I've been learning is just, um, yeah. Wait. Dang it, I was going to say something Chair else. Flips. Chair flips. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Anyways. <laughs> Chair flips are whenever you... Um, oh my gosh, why why did I speak up? It's been forever since I've done this. I'm pretty sure it's a hexamolecule. Yeah. So when like there's a molecule in space, right? Yes. And you like... or mm, Its orientation is like flipped. Yeah. It's like just learning how to draw it. Uh, if... If the molecule's facing you, or rather if it's facing the other way, because there's right. different angles in space that like the hydrogens are all placed, and that makes a difference. And yeah. so it's learning how to draw them. It's basically. learning how to draw a 3D structure in a, on a paper. Three-dimensional. Yeah, but it goes like beyond that, kind of. Wow, a science lesson then, guys. Oh, I think something else I learned, not scholastically, is like remembering why you're doing something instead of and like remembering that you're not doing it for yourself like you're just doing it to glorify god and like fruits are going to come from it even if you don't see it or like if you might be like in a group of people and you're like i really feel like i should say this and then you say it and you're like ah i should maybe i shouldn't have said that you know but maybe like later on someone will bring it back up and they'll be like you know when you said that i really appreciated that or like i really need to hear that um and that actually happened to me like a couple times this week like where people were kind of like reminded me of like something that I said and I was like wow like I'm really glad that I don't know you got something out of it because maybe I felt a little discouraged at the time um so yeah just remembering that God God knows what he's doing you know what else I learned this week what's that specifically today that Einstein throws bagels they don't lie when they say it's a dark roast coffee absolutely not it's a very dark roast coffee we all take a sip. <laughs> I finished my coffee, but everybody else is drinking. Did right you now. get dark roast? No, I got the hazelnut vanilla. Oh, it's like medium roast. I got medium, but not the hazelnut vanilla. Yeah, it's kind of yummy when it's colder yeah. and not hot. 
Yeah, no, I got the dark roast, and I think I took the first sip once we actually got to Kai's apartment. I looked at Thomas, and I was like, oh, I, I don't like that. I, don't like <laughs> that I took the first sip right when I got in my car, and I was like, oh, <laughs> we're eating dirts today. <laughs> but honestly, oh like, gosh. it's I don't think it's bad. It's no, just way no. darker than I expected. It's not enough. It's, like, way more bitter than acidic, I guess. Because, like, if you do, like, a light roast, you get yeah. more acidic taste. So I probably should have gone for the medium, medium roast. I think, what, I think what kind of shocked me is that lately I've been drinking this coffee that my parents gave me. It's called Café de Olla, which is just coffee from a pot. And so it's like, it's very famous in Mexico where they brew it with, um, I don't know how to say it in English. It's like caramel and... Cinnamon? Cinnamon, yeah. And so they, they brew it in like a pot with that. And so when it comes out, it's just naturally sweetened by those things. And you also get like that spicy like flavor from like the cinnamon. And so it's just very delightful. And so I took a sip of this and I was like... Oh, yeah. different. That's that's mm. coffee. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn today, or not today? This week. Not this too? week. Um, I would say two things. Um, both kind of spiritual. I would say the first one was I learned how, how freaking insane, like the letter of Saint James is. And it was just like this whole week. It's just if you've gotten daily mass, you've been reading like the readings from it, and each week it's just blown my mind completely. It's putting it kind of into perspective for me, just like how beautiful that that letter is and how little time I'd been giving it. And so it was really cool to be going through that in the Mass and even reading it in my morning prayers. But um, other than that, um, what I kind of learned was that at the beginning of the semester, I put a kind of goal that I was like, all right, I want to go to daily Mass as much as possible, to receive sacrament as much as possible. But at that point, I think about this last week, I had gotten to like a monotony about it. I was like, oh, I'm literally just going so I can check mark that thing off my list. Mm. I was like, I'm going to daily mass just so I can go to daily mass. And I noticed that at the beginning of this week and Father Jason comes up to me on Monday night and he's like, hey, I got you a book. I want you to read it for spiritual direction. It's going to be awesome. And so I was like, okay. He's like, I highlighted underlined things so we can follow it. And so I was reading it and literally at mass on Wednesday, I was just completely shook. I was in the back and I was trying to like, it's weird because like I don't cry at all. And so I was literally like, trying to battle the tears between Father Jason like consecrating the Eucharist just because it was this reading about how um, God becomes man and the story of Jesus Christ being crucified and how he basically had nothing and so the book's called I think it's Poverty of the Soul or Poverty and Spirit one of those two um, and yeah it's just literally I was like trying not to cry in the consecration of the Eucharist and then I went home after and I was like talking to my mom and she's like you sound like sad and I was like I'm just this book that Father Jason gave me just rocked the heck out of like my mind and my soul, and I just need to remember how small I am in the gist of everything. And so that's kind of what I learned, how to basically just get back into the gist of daily mass. I think it's like, that's, you know when people are like, oh man, I hope you're never sad or whatever, you know? We gotta remember that emotions are like, not moral. Yeah. Like they're, like being happy and joyful are good things. Um, or I guess being happy is a good thing. But being sad can also be a good thing. Being angry righteously is can also be a good thing. Uh, so that's just that strikes me as a, a very good sadness, I guess. Yeah, very good sadness. It's like it's like a mournful, grieving sadness. It's like that whole idea of how you kind of don't want your priest to be like super exuberantly happy when he's consecrating the Eucharist just because it's a very like intimate right. and very reverent mm-hmm. moment. You don't right. want him to like be be like over the top because just because it kind of the body Christ. Yeah. Hey, all right. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's a beautiful thing about Father Jason when he celebrates the Mass. He's, he's so reverent mm-hmm. and he's so delicate with the Eucharist mm-hmm. and with Jesus' body. That's, yeah. Mm, yeah, and he, like, I think the fact that he does it the same way, like, every time. Like, his 
it's it's just nice. Yeah. That it, he doesn't change like the way he does it. I've been reading the Gospel of Mark uh, recently, and I've gotten to chapter eleven when J- Jesus enters Jerusalem, and he so Jesus goes, you know, he's at around like Bethany, uh, and he goes, hey, you guys, go get me this colt that's going to be tied up, and if anybody asks you why you get it, you just say the master needs it. He'll send it back like as soon as possible. Great. See you later. Go get it for me. And they're like, gotcha. They do as he says. And they brings it back. And so they're like sitting. He's, he's sitting on the colt and they're going in. And everybody's like putting their coats and palms and stuff down. And he goes in and he's like, yeah, hi, everybody. Hi, welcome. Yeah, cool. And then he goes to the temple. And it says, Jesus goes to the temple, looks around, sees that it's late. And then goes with his disciples to Bethany. And I'm like, you mean, you're telling me that Jesus goes from Bethany into Jerusalem, looks around, says, it's late, and goes immediately (laughs) back to Bethany? I was so just frustrated with that reading. I was like, I don't get it. I don't get what I'm supposed to be getting out of this reading. I usually am like able to pick out a little thing. And I'm just like, is the message like you're supposed to do what God says, even if it doesn't make any sense whatsoever? Because I'm sure those disciples were really confused. They're like, yeah. we've been walking this whole time, and now you want a horse? Now that we're at the destination? That doesn't even make any sense. So they get a horse, and then they go in, and Jesus is like, great, all right, let's leave. And then they're probably confused. I don't know. But I was like, what? <laughs> in the Gospel of Matthew, he does something before he yeah. goes back to Bethany. But in the Gospel of Mark, he doesn't. And... Mark was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. I yeah. It's cool looking at like the synopsis and just like how they all play a part <laughs> and how they're all related and how they all tie in. It's just yeah, I was so confused though. So I'm glad you're getting stuff out of readings because yeah. Because tell you what, Mark 11 doesn't make a lot of sense. Because then he walks over and he's like, a fig tree. Hey, let's go see if there's any figs. And then they walk over, no figs. He says, no one will eat from your fruit. And then they walk away, and he goes and, like, heals someone. And then they come back, and they're like, look, Jesus, the, the tree that you cursed is now withered. And he's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I yep. it's a lot easier to find something in those letters of St. James <laughs> in the Gospel of Mark. Because St. James literally is just writing about, like, hey, life sucks right now, but I promise you guys. Mark is, is a, yeah. yes. Mark is a hilariously blunt gospel like there's not a lot of extra stuff going on in mark he tells it how it is and that's it um but i think the fig like they in the notes it was like oh yeah the fig tree represents jerusalem and they're not like producing fruit anymore um because they're not following the laws and whatever yada yada it was just a bunch of weird stuff man but anyways i'm like yeah no it's just that whole chapter was it was tough to get stuff out of, and it's, it was frustrating almost. But it might just be that, like, I don't know. Read it again. You know, it's like, uh, like not everything's going to come easy. And, I, you know, at a certain point, God's going to say, hey, I'm not going to give you everything. Whatever. So why do you, you know what else I'm really frustrated and challenged with frequently? Emotional chastity. <laughs> Tell you what, emotional chastity is tough. 
So anyways, welcome back to Thomas is a Hypocrite. We're going to be talking about emotional challenges today. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think when I brought up this idea, I texted them in the group chat and I was like, hey guys, talk to this week. Emotional chastity. Oh my gosh. And literally just crickets the first couple minutes that I sent in. I was like, I'm glad it's sitting well with them. I think I disliked the message. Yeah, you did. And you were just like, I hate that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I said anything. Okay. I think I said something like, uh, I need to do some research or something. I didn't so say that. So, the thing is, I went to so I went to the Life Teen Camp Wild Sky to work there for two summers. My first summer there, they made a big deal about like emotional chastity and stuff like that. And I get through like probably a week and a half. And then I'm sitting on a picnic bench with my friend Jamie. And I just say... So what is emotional chastity? And she's like, you've gone a week and a half without knowing what emotional <laughs> chastity is? And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. That's, that's prob- I, I probably should have brought this up earlier. But anyways, like I kind of know what it is, but I also kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it at all. And so she explained it to me a little bit there. And so whenever I talk, or whenever I learn about or talk about emotional chastity, I think of Jamie. because She's the first person to like really do a good job explaining it and since then I've been kind of like learning more about it and sometimes I'm good at it but mostly I'm not and I think that's natural though that sucks yeah it sucks but definitely natural you know especially because um not that we're like discrediting anything that like the women have in like the role but for like the guy it's a lot of it's that idea of like shamaring and protecting them and so we feel like if they start sharing and we're not prepared to, like, listen. It's uh, that whole idea, like Thomas said, of, like, earlier when we were talking about it, is I don't want to be mean and tell her, like, no, 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 like, please do not give this to me. We want to be nice, of course, and be understanding. But it's true, you know, what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tricky subject. I tried to explain it to one of my friends because um, I was just like, I need more guy friends. I don't have enough male friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm in choir, and a lot of the... You know, I just, you know, there's usually more girls in choir than guys. But also, I don't know. It just happened to be that way that I have a lot of friends that are girls right now. And and that's great, but I also feel like I need more guys, more guy friends. Because it's just a different thing. And I was trying to explain that, and she was, like, just not getting it. I was like, you know how you can experience, like, physical intimacy with someone? Yeah. Like, with, like, I guess a... You know, like, you can you can full frontal hug someone, but then you can also, like, you know, hug someone. A side intention. hug? Oh, more intention. Yeah, I'm saying, like, <laughs> you know, you full frontal hug, like, all right, cool, see you later, bye. Or you can be like, oh, man, that's that's tough. I'm so sorry that that's happening, whatever. Uh, or, like, if you kiss someone. These are all, like, more physically intimate things. Um, none of them are bad. It just has to come at the right time with the right person and, you know, with the right foundational stuff in the same way there should be uh emotional foundation and readiness yeah and so you have to be careful to not experience emotional intimacy with someone who is not ready to receive emotional intimacy with you so that's what we're talking about today that's how i understand emotional prudence or chastity I think Thomas answered the first question that I was going to ask. Um, so that's good because now he kind of got that out of the way. But the what first question the first? is, um, what does this word, or what did this word mean to you before we kind of discussed the 
um, it a little bit before I showed you guys that video and before we actually kind of created dialogue from it. But like, when I sent that text message, you guys read emotional chastity. What exactly did you guys interpret that over like the next coming days? And so we kind of got that from Thomas about his brief overview <coughs> we had when, over the summer and all that. And even prior to that. And I can tell you also, like, before I talked with Jamie and then started learning more about it, I had been briefly explained it by my friend Trevor, who had learned about it from a video really quickly. And he was like, yo, man, you ever heard about emotional chastity? I kind of get it. And I was like, sure, whatever. I don't know. I've never heard of it. What is it? And he's like, it's like when you don't talk about some stuff with some people because you're not ready for it. And it didn't make any sense to me at that point. So I was just like, okay, so emotional chastity is when sometimes you choose not to talk to things with people. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have, you know, the understanding of it that I talked about earlier. Now we can go to other people. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so uh, Nacho explained it to me briefly a few days ago, um, which I, I had known what it was, but I had no idea how to talk about it. But... Um, but then I started thinking more on it and the way like I put it is um, like as soon as you feel like your feelings driving the conversation and you can just feel like you you just your emotions are what is driving what you want to say you kind of ask God like okay God I know like we're not ready to talk about this or like I don't want to put my burdens on them so like Lord like help me reel it back just a little bit until maybe we are ready or just have like that may just be between me and you God you know. And so just knowing when to when to share what things and knowing when you may be ready to share certain things with a person. And that may be a long time or that may be like if it's a close relationship, it may be sooner. But uh, it's just like knowing what to share and when to share it, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What about you, Monsa? I think when I first read like emotional chastity, what I thought about was just really protecting like yourself but also the other person that you're like needing to be emotionally chased with um like out of respect for the other person you might not want to share because then that person might feel like close to you when you're kind of just like that that wasn't like the intention of like me sharing or like the opposite where the person might be sharing and then you're kind of just like I don't know what to do with this information like we were saying but yeah, it's out of, like, remembering that the other person has a heart, too, and it has a heart that, could, like, all, all hearts are pretty fragile, um, and just remembering, like, the root of everything, and, like, yeah, just to guard yourself, but also, like, help the other person guard themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I came to know this idea, it was over the summer, um, because it's a relatively new idea for me as well. I think it was over the summer. And I mentioned in earlier podcast, but in case you weren't familiar, I went to this um, summer projects thing by Focus. Um, and so it was basically 50 super Catholic people, guys and girls, spending the whole summer working at these jobs, um, diving into their spirituality, going to mass together, going to discipleship, doing all these amazing things, growing in virtue. But naturally, I think a person always desires to grow closer to people that share the same interests and likes. And so all of their lives, you're kind of brought up of like, Ooh, if I want to marry someone, it should be of someone of the same faith, you know? And I think we still desire that to an extent, especially those people called to marriage. And so it was just a natural thing if, like, a guy was there and he saw a girl and she's also super Catholic, he would naturally go grow closer to her and talk about a lot of things. And they think, oh, we're here at this Catholic thing. It's okay to be open about everything I want to share. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends was just talking about his experience with one of these girls and he was just talking about it, talking, talking, talking. 
And one of my friends stopped him and was like, hey, brother, um, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're hitting it off with this girl. But don't you think you're maybe sharing a little bit too much? And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah. He's like, we're barely, he's like, remember, we have 10 weeks here. Um, we're on week three. And you kind of already told her everything that, like, you have in your heart. He's like, what is there left to give? And he was like, oh, shoot. And he kind of just stood there quietly. He's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. He's like, don't tell me sorry. He's like, tell that person that you dropped all those burdens on sorry. He's like, go up to her and kind of trace it back. And then I was kind of confused. And he was like, I'm getting a lot of blank stares from these three guys right now. So he's like, so um, emotional chastity, guys. And he brought it up and he started talking to us about it. And I was like, that's cool. That's awesome. That's a good way of being intentional with your friends and even mm -hmm. someone that you possibly view as like someone that you might want to pursue a relationship with. And so that's kind of where emotional chastity came about for me. And that's why I wanted to talk about it with you guys. But I know we got kind of blank stares the first time I sent it. And I was looking at it and Thomas definitely did say, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it as like, I hate the concept of emotional chastity. It was just, I was like, crap. I'm bad at that. <laughs> now I have to talk about it, which inherently means that I'm going to have to improve myself on it. Dang it. It's like when God kind of like gives you a kick in the butt and you're like, he's like, stop being lazy about this part of your life. You better clean yourself <laughs> up, <laughs> so fool. Right. You know when God casually calls you a fool? Constantly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you give a, another question. I have stuff to say, but uh, right. it'll probably come up. Yeah, it'll come up. Um, so the next question I have for you guys is, why is this an important thing, especially in today's culture? Because we've kind of segued into this kind of, even from the 90s and on, people no longer know how to date, you know? It's mm -hmm. a lot of, oh, if you talk to anyone that you've, that you're either friends with or even people in high school and stuff like that, you talk to them and you're like, oh, is there anyone that you're seeing? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to this person. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, what does talking mean? And they're like, oh, well, I'm kind of into her, but I'm not sure if I want to pursue it yet. So all we're doing is texting and getting super vulnerable over text and Snapchats. They don't actually say that, but in your head, you're sort of like, oh my gosh, I kind of know what you guys are talking about, and that's so unhealthy. And there's also the whole hookup culture, talking culture. So why is it such an important thing, I guess, from my point of view, in your guys' eyes? And we'll go to Kylie for that one. Okay, so <laughs> as I'm staring at Thomas to start. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it's fine. Um, so... Like, it's, I think it's really important just because whenever you start to become, like, vulnerable with someone, if you're not at that place yet, you've, you're kind of giving a part of yourself to them. And it, I thought of it, like, initially as, like, this similar to, like, like, physical chastity. And as soon as you, like, cross that line, you've already given yourself to them. And you can't get that back. Like the story, you know, it's same with emotional. Like if you've given someone a burden of yours, you can't take it back. You can either apologize or something, but they officially have that and they know that. And so it's so important to just be careful and like pray on when you're ready to say these things. Because if you're just talking with someone, and you don't know what's going on. Um, you don't know how they're feeling if they're ready to hear that from you. And that's... It makes it very hard to know, like, I guess, when you're called to this relationship or not. And, um, yeah. But I guess more on, like, a personal kind of view, because I kind of asked, like, why is it important to you? And you kind of gave us a good overview of everything that you, like, mm -hmm. you kind of were putting concepts together. But to you specifically, why do you think, like, when you heard this word or when you think about it, why is it so important to you? For me, well, I, similar to Thomas, girl, female. I'm bad at it as well. Um, 
I think for me, like being, um, okay, I get, yeah, I guess it's to protect my heart um, and to protect my, my values, I guess. And, but I'm also a very open person, so it is something I have to work on as well. And so, like, trying to practice emotional chastity, as for me, is really, is really learning, like, when I'm ready to give that part of my, let someone know a part of my life, I guess. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound great, but... Maybe we'll think about that. Maybe it'll come up in the next Or the next questions. question, and yeah. I'll do better. What about you, Thomas? So, um, I guess with the personal example that kind of, like, made this an important aspect in my life and kind of opened my eyes to what it is. There was, I was dating this girl in high school. I won't say her name, and I won't say when in high school, because anybody that knows me will probably know who it is if I say when it is. Um, but I... So we were, you know, we were experiencing some physical intimacy. And during that physical intimacy, she said, I love you. And I, being foolish and dumb and completely caught off guard, I just said it back. I was like, uh, I love you too. Yeah, great. And it, like, no, I didn't say it like that, obviously. <laughs> I, like, tried to sound genuine. I was like, sure, maybe I do. I don't know. And I said it, and I immediately like felt in my heart I was like I don't and it was awful and that was probably the biggest reason of why we broke up um it was like that happened and then there was a couple weeks of me feeling bad I was like I feel guilty because that was like an emotional lie Mm -hmm. and uh so it ended that relationship and it also has made me scared to say I love you to other people And it was just really, it was terrible. And I was like, I really kind of regret saying that, you know, like I've learned from it, obviously. So I don't regret what I've learned from it, but, um, but I wish I had been more careful and I wish I had spared myself of that emotional intimacy. And I wish I had spared her of, you know, doing that and whatever. But that's when it opened my eyes to like, okay, you got to be more careful about, what you say to people and like kind of you know how close your heart gets to other people and whether you're ready for it and whether they're ready for it um so it's not like you block off your heart and guard your heart forever because i think part of my tendency after that point and with like some other experiences that i've had um i've gone a little bit swung too far the other way and I've gone to where I like close off myself from other people and I don't share anything um, to protect myself and to protect them. Um, and so you kind of have to find that balance. You have to know who you can... This was the thing that I was going to say before this question, so I'm glad I got to it. You have to... You, have, you should have people that you feel comfortable sharing stuff with. And a lot of times it's good to have it uh, of people with the opposite or with the same gender. Because with people of the opposite gender, that emotional intimacy can uh, feel like it needs to lead to physical intimacy as well. But with uh, people of the same gender, it can just be, hey, I need to talk to someone about this, and I've known you for a really long time. You know, you're not going to walk up to a stranger and just start talking about your life. That makes me think of 
in, in New Girl when <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Nick is talking to uh, his Tran right the, yeah the guy on, the, get, on yeah. the park bench that doesn't say anything yeah. and he just has like these full-blown conversations and you know they in that in this show they you know eventually grow to have a great friendship but obviously you shouldn't start off a friendship like that um it's not very healthy uh it might scare the person away luckily tran was very uh you know caring pastoral to him He's like, it's all right. It's all right, Nick. You'll be all right. He wouldn't even talk. Um, uh, that's what I smiled about earlier. I was just like staring off thinking about that. Um, but you should you should have these close friends. Like I can name off two guys, my friends Ryan and Luke, who I know I can go to with anything. And like I don't really have to reserve myself too much of like kind of just like spilling my guts every once in a while. But I definitely shouldn't do that with any of my female friends, especially any of them that I think, oh, um, they might misinterpret this as me being interested in stuff and stuff. And that's where it also comes in that you should be intentional with pursuing relationships when you do so that it can never come off as confusing. You know, you kind of want to be beyond reproach with, um, you know, being intentionally dating someone so that no one ever thinks, well, this started out this way, so maybe he's doing that with me also. And that can be really confusing, and I'm definitely bad at that. Uh, that's a scary thing to do, is to date intentionally. Man, I'm bad at that. <laughs> but it's ideal, you know? And so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the ideal, and we're hopefully going to do it someday. <laughs> Woo! Ooh. What about you, Monte? <laughs> So the question was, why? Sorry, okay. you talked a lot. <laughs> I just kind of forgot the question. So kind of think about, um, kind of think about today's culture and think about the talking culture, mm-hmm. this whole hookup culture, and this whole idea of not wanting to commit to things. Yeah. And think about it in your perspective and your experiences. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, so why is this an important thing to you? And kind of give just like some clear examples of like why is this so important to you? This idea. I think a lot of like today's culture it's kind of like a morphed reality sometimes like it's like well I've been snapchatting this person for a long time we have a snapchat streak of like I don't know like 60 days so it's like I know this person you know and we've been friends and it's been fine um that's like what happened to me like in high school is like I thought I was friends with this person but in reality we never talked like we never talked in person and it was just all through snapchat all the time um and then we ended up dating, but when we started dating, it was just so awkward. And I was like, why is it so awkward if we have, like, quote-unquote, have been friends? But in rea- in reality, like, our whole friendship was based off of us wanting to date each other eventually, but never even talking about it. So all of a sudden, we were dating, and my friends were confused, I was confused, and I was like, honestly, I don't know, we're just friends, it's casual, whatever. And I think it was just, like... A combination between like no communication like in person about it in general and like not wanting to confront each other about it which is really ridiculous because you know like you would think maybe some kind of communication but also I think it was a combination between like being immature um, because I think like little by little you'll start learning not you will but like people little by little will just kind of realize how to intentionally date like I don't think it's something that someone just like wakes up and realize how, how to do it 
Um, so yeah, I think that's why it's important or else you just go into things blindly and expect it to be one way. And then later on you realize, I have no idea who this person is and we're dating now. So you might feel stuck, especially if you shared with them some things, um, like emotionally about something that you might be going through. Like you might be spilling your guts, like Thomas said, um, with that person. But in reality, you don't know that person, like, you know, um, and so then it makes it even harder to walk away from the person because, yeah, because of you weren't like emotionally chased. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it became pretty prevalent to me when like, um, I guess like I'm, I'm like a nice guy. And so naturally people just confide in me and people just like, I won't even like say like, oh, what's going on with your life? I'll just like be chilling there. And they come to me and they're like, hey, Ignacio or Nacho, whatever they call me by. And they're like, I am like struggling so bad with this. And I'm like, I, okay. And it's very nervous. And I'm just like, okay, let's, I mean, would you like to talk about it? And they say, yes. And we start talking about it. But at that point, I, in my head, I'm having kind of a spiritual kind of warfare. And just like a warfare in my own head. Just like, uh, Lord, I'm not supposed to be listening to this. But obviously they confide in me and I don't know what to do. Like, please help me. And of course it's different if it's your friend and they're asking you for help. But sometimes they don't even ask for help. And so I was kind of at a crossroad this last last semester where I just had a friend and they just like overshared way too much. And I was very clear about where we stood in the relationship and where we like stood as like friends. Mm -hmm. But I never quite was sure if they knew. And so it was always confusing. And I was like, I, I hope you know I'm just listening to you because... I care about you and I care about your well-being, not because I want to pursue this romantically. And so it was like a crossroads for me, and that's why I think it became so important. Even just listening to my brother and talking about his relationship, and he told me something that, like, his girlfriend talked to you. Mind you, this is, like, a 14, 15-year-old boy telling me this, and I told him, I was like, hey, like, I don't think this is okay. Like, you are not meant to carry mm -hmm. that burden. Like, you're 15. Like, you shouldn't be carrying that burden. He's like, yeah, but but she's my girlfriend, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I get that. That's awesome. But that's not your responsibility. I think that's when it became so important that my little brother, this 14, 15 year old person is asking these questions. And I was like, ah, like, was I not providing a good enough example? Is he like not getting educated on these things? And so that's why I was like, dang, I have to be better. I have to do better. I think in the same way that, um, you know, the church just, drills like don't have sex before marriage and that's like the most that you get out yeah. of a lot of you know church teaching and you're like okay that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna date people and not have sex and that's what we're doing here but uh you know there's a lot of other stuff that goes with that you know there's <laughs> there can still be things that are emotional that should wait till marriage and it's kind of like you know, it's shocking. You would think like, oh yeah, before you get married, you should know the person entirely. And it's like, pretty close. I mean, you should be very close with the person. You should know them well enough to know that you want to marry them. But you, there, there should still be parts of their heart that they haven't shared with you yet. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think my politeness kind of gets in the way a lot of times where someone will be sharing with me something and I'm like... Okay, uh, yeah, okay, we'll talk about this now. Um, sure, um, 
so we're going to talk about this, whatever, cool. I don't know how to get out of the situation, <laughs> and you apparently need to talk about it with someone, so we're just going to, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to try and respond in a very kind way. And, you know, and I should be able to, I should feel comfortable saying, hey, you should talk about this with somebody, but it shouldn't be me because it, you know, leads to that motive. And that's another hard part is that when we live in a world where a lot of other people don't share this value, it's hard to explain with other people, but it doesn't, it shouldn't keep us from at least saying, hey, I don't really feel comfortable with this. And you should feel comfortable with that. I should feel comfortable with that. I don't. And I'm getting better at it. Uh, also, going back to Monse, I was going to say, you were like, oh, yeah, we had this friendship. And then we wanted to date each other the whole time. And then we dated each other. And I think that's the important thing about being intentional with dating. Because if you make your friendship seem a lot like dating and you, you want to date, date. Because if you wait for a long time and then you start dating, it's going to feel, you're going to be like, it should be different now because now we're dating. And then you're like, uh, it's the same or it's not. And then it's really awkward. That's why that, mm-hmm. like, I think that's where a lot of awkwardness comes from is where you're like, it should be different, but it's not. And so now we're just going to sit here and look at each other and not talk and just, hello, <laughs> hello with my eyes. <laughs> um, so you should be intentional with dating so that your friendships can also be intentional with friendship and it shouldn't mix and that's really difficult especially because a lot of times with guys um in you know the traditional setting kind of carrying the burden of um you know asking someone out and then girls carrying the burden of saying yes there's that kind of the guys show the vulnerability of like hey I, you know, think you're very attractive. Let's go on a date. And then the girl, you know, has the power to basically like fulfill this guy's dreams or crush his spirit. <laughs> and it's like both both you know, roles are very uh tough roles to handle. And so the guys maybe don't want to experience that vulnerability of saying, "Hey, I'm giving you the option. You can, you know, fulfill my dreams and go to dinner with me." Or you can crush my spirit and say, no, I'm not attracted in you at all. And that's cool. Um, and then girls are like, oh, okay, now we got to deal with this. Um, especially if you're like, oh, I was like planning on being friends with this guy, but he's into me. Rut row. Um, so I think that's where the, the intentionality of dating comes in, uh, in terms of. I'm glad we talked about this. This is good. This is a good topic. Yeah. I really I, wanted to back out of this topic, and I'm talking a lot. Yeah, he was. He really wanted to back out in the last like couple <laughs> minutes. He was like, um, "No, I'm not ready to start." And we were prolonging starting this podcast for the longest time. Like but I think hours. it's good. I think we, um, I think it's good that we brought up the realistic parts of our life, mm-hmm. our lives, um, and emotional chastity. And now it's kind of one of those things where we acknowledge kind of the not so good parts of ourselves but now it's kind of thinking about it retrospectively what how do we practice emotional chastity what are we good at in practicing emotional chastity because all obviously you three are like amazing catholics and you guys are just very prudent in everything you guys do and always striving (laughs) and always striving for like sainthood you know and so i think it's important that now you guys kind of share to listeners 
what are you guys good at? And and kind of be concrete and kind of be very specific about it just because I would like for this part to kind of also be like, oh, here are kind of some little kind of goals that I put for myself mm-hmm. and how you guys can also implement these in your life. And so, for example, I'll go first. That way I kind of give you guys a little overview of what that looks like. But for example, me, um, I was mentioning this to two of my friends here and they were like, bro, I just, I don't know if she's into me. Um, and I don't know where it's going. And like we text and I'm not sure where it's going because sometimes she's super like deep and awesome. But then sometimes she's like, so dry. And I was like, well, how, does it, how do these conversations exactly look like? And I asked them to show me these conversations and show me. And I'm like, I don't read them, but I'm just kind of getting the gist of it. And I look at them and I tell them, I mean, your conversations get super deep after 10 p.m. <laughs> Does this not like register in your head? And they're like, oh shoot man um is that bad and i was like yeah i was like so for example a fundamental tip the one that i like spread to all my friends is chances are you probably shouldn't be texting a girl that you maybe have romantic interest in or you may kind of think that she may have romantic interest in you past 11 p.m probably Mm -hmm. even 10 p.m i do 11 p.m just because it's not fruitful because at that point they're tired they're vulnerable it's reached a part of the night where no one else is talking to them except for you and so they have no one else to share these things with except for you. And so what's going to happen is she's naturally or he's naturally going to share to you. And so that's one of the kind of tips that I do. You shouldn't be talking to anyone that late at night. It's just not healthy for either of you. And I think the other one is I'm very clear about not hanging out with people after certain times. Like people are always like, not sure you never want to hang out. You never want to go out with us. And I'm like, that's not true. I was like, just invite me to coffee. Invite me to go do this. And normally you'll see that most of my outing times or during the day just because it's very clear and I'm clear about saying oh you want to grab coffee with me not saying hey you want to go on a date and get coffee because it's not what it is or like hey we should fix this day it's very spontaneous it's more just like oh I want to get coffee because I want to fulfill this being very like transparent so I guess that's how emotional chastity plays a role in my life and how mm-hmm. I strive to be emotionally chaste mm-hmm. and we'll go to Monsa now um I think that this is going to sound weird, but um, I think I'm really good at, like, friend-zoning people. <laughs> not that, like, I'm not trying to sound like this, but, um, like, sometimes I'll straight up be like, I'm confused. We're just friends, right? And then the other person will be like, yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, putting, like, a, like, a little bit jokingly puts away a lot of, like, oh, I don't want to have to confront them, blah, blah, blah. But it makes it very, like, casual. And it's just nice because maybe the other person was confused too, but now we both know, like, straight up, yes, we're just friends. And so I think that's one aspect I'm pretty good at um, because sometimes I'll just come out and I'm like, oops, (laughs) like, I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but I'm glad it's over with. I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, Like, we can continue on with our friendship, Um, but obviously, like, with the things in mind that we've been talking about um, when it comes to the opposite gender um oh i keep tapping on the table but yeah <laughs> it's okay you can tap on the table you gotta you gotta dtr gotta define the relationship hard dtr exactly that's, oh that's another yeah. catholic and buzzword i'm just really bad at confrontation um but i think like i usually just make it not like a joke but i make it less serious but it comes off like it's a serious thing to talk about so yeah, yeah. No, I tell girls all the time, like, you have a right to know where you guys, like, stand, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's not fair for you to be like, oh my gosh, this is like me. Well, yeah. As well as guys, like, if you're not sure what's happening, don't be afraid to be like, hey, 
what is this? Yeah. I'm not sure if we're friends. I'm not sure if you like me. Yeah. And guys, if you kind of think, if you're into them and you think they might like you, yeah. tell them, hey, can I take you out on a date? Don't be mm-hmm. like, hey, can I take you out for food? Yeah. Because then they're going to be like, okay, he just, he sees us friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And she is going to tell mindset like that. But yeah. yeah, that's good. You owe it to yourself and to them to define the relationship. Mm-hmm. What about you, Thomas? I, oh, man. I'm... I was, you know, you asked, what are you good at? And I was like, oh, man, I can list off all the things that I'm bad at. <laughs> um, no, catch yourself on the back. Ah, uh, man. But I'm trying to work on humility. Anyways. Um, so, I'd say as bad as I am about not telling people to not share with me, uh, I'm good at not sharing with people. You know? I'm good at, you know, not talking about like oh man hey i'm going through this really rough time with just anybody and i usually only go to you know close friends for that stuff um i'm just thinking about stuff that i'm bad at dang it yeah so that's i guess that's good um i'm very bad at talking to people late at night because i'm a night owl i guess (laughs) generally um and so I'm just like, oh, you guys are up. I'm up too. Whatever. We'll talk. It's fine. Um, when really I should just be like, okay, cool. It's 10 p.m. See you later. Um, so I might make that change. That's a good change to make. Yeah, it is. Sweet. I we'll think move he... on to Kylie and maybe I can think <laughs> of more things. I think I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I think, for example, I was mentioning to someone, they were like, Thomas is a great guy. Uh, by the way, I talk about you when you're when you don't know. And father, so, father Jason was like, yeah, because I asked him to be my spiritual director, and he was like, the first meeting is gonna be, you know, kind of you telling me your story and stuff, because I don't really know you. You know, I hear about you a lot from like Nacho and the guys and stuff, and I'm like, oh my heart, <laughs> they talk about me, oh. And then I was like, okay, Father Jason gets to know me during spiritual direction and from other people apparently. Yeah, I think continue. Sorry. as generous as you are and as kind as you are, you're definitely very self-preserving and self-oriented, like which isn't a bad thing. I think you should definitely be kind and give yourself to others in many ways, but you're also very, I need to know what's good for me. I need to know what's good for me now and in the future. And if it's not good for you, most likely, just from like us having intentional friendship, you're very good about just like weeding out the bad things. If it's not bad, if it's not good for you, it's out. And so I have to say that's like very beneficial in your journey to emotional chastity is that you're very good about weeding things out. And I think in the same way with like fasting to practice taking out things from your life when you need to. Um, like when I practice fasting, I'm, I usually start when I notice that I'm kind of dependent on uh, like my phone or something like that in the same way I could probably practice stuff like that with like parts aspects of my friendships uh, with girls and stuff so I could be like okay in the same way that I can reserve from from eating meat on a Friday or something like that during Lent I can also reserve myself from you know texting uh past 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. past 10 a.m. All right, you get a real small pocket whenever I wake up to 10 a.m. and that's it, cutting you off. Um, or like, you know, uh, limiting myself to say, to be able to say, okay, this is too much sharing. Please go to one of your female friends to share the rest of this if it needs to be shared with somebody. And if it doesn't need to be shared with anybody, 
Like if you're just sharing it for the sake of sharing, uh, thanks for keeping it to yourself. You're a champ. Yeah, <laughs> even spiritual directors, discipleship, stuff like that. That's what you have like the outlets. Right, for. exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of yeah. go spill that in confession. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Hi, come talk to me when I'm a priest. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm finished. Go ahead, <laughs> Okay. Um, one thing I think I'm good at is, not to mention it a little minute ago, like, uh, you know, like defining the relationship, I guess. And not necessarily even if it's like a, like, um, intimate relationship, even if it's just a friendship. I'm, I'm very, like, open and I want to know what's going on. And I know we're in more of a modern culture now, but I will say, ladies, if you, and don't do it right away, you know, pray about it. Uh, if I ever do this, I pray about it a lot. Um, but yeah, like, don't be afraid to ask, like, where, where is this going or what, what is this? Because in the end, we all are called to a vocation and that so is this person you may be talking to and you don't want to, you know, waste, I don't want to say waste your time because it sounds negative, but you don't want to veer too off in a direction that's not going anywhere if you're still called to go somewhere else and you Mm. want that for that person as well and you should be praying for that person's vocation while you're still discerning this and um but yeah one thing i've found is like um yeah i i'm very um open and aware like i know like if i want if i want to know what's going on you know you, you can ask it's not it's it's not a terrible thing for a girl to ask what's going on and uh yeah so don't ever don't ever be afraid to do that so I don't even think that it's a bad... You guys can correct me on this mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm wrong, but I don't even think it's a bad thing for a girl to express her interest. If she says, like, hey, I like you, and, like, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, she. I guess that would probably lead to asking on a date, but a girl can at least make that known and be like, hey, this is why I'm, I'm clarifying our friendship. I'm not saying, hey, we're just friends, right, mm-hmm. is a lot different than, hey, are we just friends or are you interested... Mm-hmm. Because that kind of leads to more of like a, because I'm interested kind of thing. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I almost, like, I've, I've done that before. And so it, it's almost like strengthened the friendship. Because now there's no question like, if I say this, will he think I'm flirt? Like, it's almost like you've just strengthened that friendship. And now you can grow as true friends and running to Christ. And um, it's just, you're more authentic and you, you can be yourself. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, don't, it helps, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think before yeah. wrapping it up. I think it's also important to understand that even though you don't feel really, like an attraction to that person in the moment, and you guys both clarify that you guys are friends, to not completely like think, okay, we both identified our friends. Now I can spill my heart out. Um, yeah, I think it's important to understand that like, oh, like we're both acknowledge that we're only friends. Mm-hmm. Like just because you're friends in that moment doesn't mean that it won't like develop in the future. You know, so mm-hmm. I think it's important not to spill your heart out like once you think it's friends. You know, I, I, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It makes sense. yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, so you just got to be you got to be intentional with your friendships, you got to be intentional with your relationships, and you got to know that emotional intimacy is reserved for different relationships at different times. And you have to be prudent about that. That's why I call it emotional prudence um, because you're being very, you know, careful with your heart and with the hearts of others. Um, so you just got to be careful to share what you're sharing and you got to be careful to listen to what you're listening to. Be intentional when you're dating. Guys, be brave. Ask girls out if you want to ask them out. And girls, it is okay to crush guys' spirits, but it's also okay to just go on a date if you want to. 
um, you know, it's free dinner, and you can always say that, hey, it didn't go that well. We could still be friends. Cool. So I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Uh, next week, thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about what exactly Kylie Wallace would do for a Klondike bar. Um, so have a great week, and God bless.